everybody. It is Saturday, January 32nd, 2020, and welcome to this edition of the FritzCast. How are you all doing? It is a weekend. I am here. I'm alive. I'm well. My voice just cracked. You know, um, last week, if you missed last week's episode, go back and listen to it. It is, uh, it's getting shared like hotcakes by Mill Liberty and and the man I interviewed himself, Brian Nichols. I interviewed Brian Nichols of the Brian Nichols Show. Good friend, good buddy of the podcast. We had a great hour-long-plus discussion uh, of a host of topics, including one topic that we're going to have to talk a little bit about today that I've uh, kind of not been talking about just because of how long, drawn out, and boring this is. But that uh, it, it was a great episode that we had and uh, there's future collaborations in the works, as it were. So be sure to check that out. But over the over this past week, ever since that interview, really, uh, I've been like under the weather. And this happens every year. I, I get under the weather around January, February. And it hasn't been like devastating this year. Like in some cases, it would be fever. And really, really bad sinus infection, like very sore throat, you know, deep congestion and all that. This time it was literally just, you know, congestion, runny nose, you know, a little bit of uh, a little a little annoyances and, and stuff like that. But uh, I got through it. I got through it. I'm on the on the recovery end now and I'm feeling a lot better. So uh, needless to say, hopefully that continues. Uh, but uh, it, it sucks when it hits, and now that there's a kid in the mix too, su- I mean, surprisingly, kiddo is um, kiddo's happy, healthy, and uh, we haven't really experienced her having a true, full-blown sickness yet. Which I know it, it, that is a miracle in and of itself, and it only lasts so long because they eventually, if they don't go off to preschool or daycare, which she does not, um, and she will not. Uh, when she goes into the public schooling, she will, like, get hit with the sickness. Hardcore. Not looking forward to those days. Uh, because it's hard, it's hard being a parent when, when your kid, when your kid is suffering. Uh, this has been one of the more fun aspects of watching Emery learn and grow, though. Like, you put her down on the ground, like, a while ago she would, you know, loathe tummy time. No tummy time for this girl. She loves it now. She'll she'll stay on her tummy for very long extended periods of time. She holds her head up high, um, and she's got a lot of the basic mechanics of crawling down. She just hasn't put them together yet. So she can't really get moving, uh, but it is literally... It's right around the corner, and it's terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying to think of that... Uh, at some point, this kid's going. this kid's going to be time to go mobile, um, and... Then it'll be like, it'll be like this game of, you know, you can't leave the room anymore. Like, if you could lay her down for tummy time, put her little, um, play mat thing. Her, we had a pup-up build this, this cross beam bar that, that is about two feet off of the ground, if that. And there's this bar and we can hang the toys off of them. It's like a play mat, but cooler, you know? We, we didn't have to spend... All this ridiculous amounts of money on a on a kiddied up, you know. Oh, look at this cool toy! So, 
you can put her on the floor and you can leave her there and you can walk away for you know a couple minutes like if you're gonna make breakfast or something that's my alarm which I just turned off <laughs> uh, and you can walk out of the room and you just keep tabs you know while you go make breakfast or whatever you, or you switch the laundry or whatever because the kid's fine that goes out the window if they get mobile. <laughs> if they start moving, you can't do that anymore. So uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see that. But it's so fun to watch them learn and piece together things and figure things out. They do get frustrated by it. Um, not gonna lie. Um, she's stubborn. She is stubborn, not to her detriment. Uh, I think it's gonna. I think she's gonna be a very. I think it's gonna build into a very persevering personality. But. Uh, you hate when they get to a point and they just get frustrated because that you know that happens. She gets frustrated. She 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 gets to the point where, you know, I want to move, I want to crawl, but I can't do it. I haven't figured it out yet. And my wife sends me a lot of uh, child rearing articles uh, about uh, how we should the, the types of parents that we should be. And so it's like you put her down for tummy time and she reaches for a toy, right? And if she does that, if if you put her down and she reaches for a toy, she's gonna make she's gonna make noises. She's going to almost make noises that you would hear somebody at the gym make, like when they're lifting weights. They're going, you know, <clears throat> like the, they'll grunt and they'll growl and stuff, and it's because they're working out. And um, and when they're doing that, when, when when kids are doing that with a toy, they're actually working out motor skills and stuff. Uh, I never thought that deeply on it because I didn't have a kid before, so cut me some slack. Uh, w- like, if she's down on tummy time and she has a toy in front of her and she's reaching out to try to grab the toy, some people might innocently think, like, you know, I'm just going to grab that toy and I'll, I'll I'll give it to her or, or him, whoever the kid is. And you think you're, you're doing that and you're helping the kid out. Really, the kid is developing a sense of depth perception and uh, fine motor skills and all that jazz. So sometimes you have to sit there and just watch and see, you know, if they find a way to, to obtain that toy or not. And you don't let it go to a point where they, you know, get frustrated so bad that they cry and and they lose their crap. But... It's made me think a little bit about like what I'm doing with with the kid. And at at our four month checkup, our pediatrician said, you know, you can start introducing real foods like and you know, gr- you know, ground up food, um, baby food. Uh, but we're doing what my wife calls baby led weaning, which is a thing, which is we sit down at the dinner table and if we have large chunks of food or whatever. Uh, pass them off to her, and she can experiment with it. So, like, you know, if we're having an apple, we slice up apples, and we give her a sizable apple slice, not one that she could stick all the way in her throat and, and almost swallow and choke on. But you give her a chunk of apple, and she sits there, and she gnaws on it, and she's like, it's she's exploring the food. But she does get applesauce, and she loves applesauce. She loves oatmeal. She loves, like, berries. If we cut up, you know, raspberries and... and strawberries and stuff she can munch on them kind of and that's really cool because the first thing we ever did was a cracker and she was just in awe of what a cracker was and then if we give her any type of bread if it's a soft 
bread, some toast or something. She she flips her lid. She wants that crap, and it's it's so cute to see it. So cute to see it. Um, and that's what brings me the most joy in the world right now. One hundred percent. So I was thinking about. I was really sitting down and thinking about what I wanted to talk about this week. Uh, having come up, I love coming off like of an interview week now. I'm really digging these interviews because I don't have to do a, a lot of prep for the in, for the interviews. I I feel like if you like heavily stick to an itinerary on an interview, that it loses something or it becomes too scripted, and I don't like that. People don't you don't come to this podcast to listen to scripted stuff. Every once in a while I might have a monologue written out, but when I do, I try to have it written out in such a way and and I rehearse it in such a way that it that it's not me reading off of something and that it doesn't sound rehearsed. Um you know, so to speak, but I don't do the monologue thing a lot. And it's mostly because you know, that's like a news thing. That's a that's a news talk show thing. That's a talking head pundits thing. It's not what this show is. This show is supposed to be my genuine thoughts about things. My genuine thoughts about subjects. And why you people want to hear some of them, I don't even know. But that's beside the point. When I do when I do interviews, the, the two that I've done so far are Todd Hagopian back in December. Brian Nichols is is uh, January's guest. I have a guest for February, and it, I'm not, I can't, I don't want to drop the name yet. But I can tell you this, presidential candidate of a third party. I can tell you that much. That's who's scheduled for February. Um, and really, honestly, in a few short weeks, too. Usually I, I've held off for these interviews for the end of the month. Uh, that interview is going to be conducted in a few short weeks. And as soon as I'm done it, it's going to be posted up on that Friday, I think. Uh, unless I throw an adjustment in there, but but third party presidential candidate to come on the show, and and one of the reasons why I don't like to script out or heavily itinerize uh, interviews, and I'm still learning this is a learning process, is because uh, Brian and I, our episode, if you listen to it, it's like we're having a conversation. Same thing with Todd Hagopian when when me and Todd sat down. It's it's a conversation. It's it's a talk. It's a back and forth. And while while Brian's talking, while Todd is talking, they can say something in my and then that in my head I'll go, that's interesting. I want to I want to dive more into that. And if you have an itinerary and you come across something like that and you want to like sidebar, then you're stressing in your head about, okay, well, if I drop this subject, then, or if I want to go this way, I'm, I'm, I might have to drop out this question or this question or whatever. And honestly, it's just more like it's better to go on the fly with that and, and go with the flow and see where the conversation leads. Now, that might not work if rapport doesn't get established relatively quickly. Um, Brian and I are friends, that, so we could bounce back and forth all day uh, if I had... When me and Stephen Ignoramus sat down, even though I did not know him on a, on a you know real well known level when he invited me on, Stephen Ignoramus is is a very like natural based. You can dive right into a conversation with that guy, and that's the approach that we're gonna have on Fritzcast. 
for these interviews. Uh, there, there might be some, there might be some key questions that I have that I want to lead to, but when I bring on a guest, especially like this presidential candidate, I want them to, to be able to bio themselves, to, to paint a picture of who they are, why they, uh, think and feel the ways that they do. And then, you know, pop up with questions on the fly, things that I can press them on or challenge them on if I feel like I need to. Or if I feel like they need to expound because I need a greater understanding and you as a listener might need a greater understanding, that, that's, a, that's a very fine balancing game. And, but, but it's fun. And it also means that those shows I don't really have to prep for. The only thing I have to prep for is maybe the current events surrounding the, the, the situation that we might be talking about uh, and about them themselves, just researching them. You know, it's not like the episode I did a couple weeks ago after... Trump ordered the uh, the strike that killed Iran's general Soleimani, where I had to sit de- I had to sit back and research something all the way back to 2001 and piece together how it got to where it is today. That's that's a lot of legwork to go back to 2001 for the authorization authorized use of military force act. By the way, that's what that's what it was. It takes a lot of work to go back to 2001, find statements that were being uh, made on the Senate floor or the House of Representatives uh, on September 14th, 2001, tracking the person who who was the only person to um, to vote against the AUMF and see how she kept consistently throughout the years up till now. Because she's still in the House of Representatives. Now, prep, now prepping for this episode, I'm, I'm, I didn't prep a damn thing. Because everything has been Trump's impeachment trial. Trump's impeachment trial. Trump's impeachment trial. And what happened yesterday, lo and behold, 51 to 49, the Senate voted to not include any witnesses in the Senate trial. Which people are up in arms about, and I'm. I, some people are split. If you listen to last week's episode, you get Brian's take about how he's more in the line of you know this is like a deep state coup type of thing. You've got people in my camp who think that Trump did in fact commit acts that are in fact impeachable, and that the impeachment in and of itself is legitimate. But I knew that this was going to end with an acquittal. Most everybody knew this was going to end in an acquittal. And but but regardless of that, what really gets me right now is the extreme rhetoric. The the camps are really sharply divided over this thing uh to to an extent that I I'm very confused and concerned about uh, the state of our nation right now. And I mean that sincerely. What really gets me, what's really funny to me is how split libertarians are on this thing. And and that's funny in and of itself because libertarians are always pissing over each other over who's libertarian enough or not. But I've never, this is so baffling. Some libertarians are so diehard for Trump that it almost makes me go like, you guys do realize that this is the government that we that still that we don't like, right? <laughs> like defending Trump is still the government that we don't like and he's not 
that libertarian of a guy. And then what's really funny about it all is how the GOP, the Republican Party, conservative conservatism itself is now fully solidified in the ride or die make America great again cult. And I, I've refrained from calling it a cult like that, but it really and truly is. This is this is how I know it's a cult now. Uh, because in that Senate vote, 51 to 49, Mitt Romney voted for witnesses. And almost immediately by Matt Schlapp, he's dis... He's, he's not invited, he's not allowed to CPAC 2020, the uh, Conservative Political Action Conference that they hold in D.C. yearly. Uh, he's not invited to CPAC. I don't know if it's... Backtrack. I don't know if it's yearly or, or every couple of years or, or just during election years uh, for CPAC. But, 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 but the point is, Mitt Romney votes for witnesses. Boom! Barred from CPAC. Probably in the crosshairs of Trump now, uh, even though he's uh, he's he's a fresh senator anyway. So he's got some time before his election comes up. It'll probably be forgotten by the time he's due up for re-election, if he even seeks uh, re-election. But that in and of itself is a prime example of of how tribalistic this is. How party line this is, how cult-like this is. I mean, you know, if you dissent, this is why Justin Amash dropped the GOP and and went independent, and why Justin Amash probably will never go back to the Republican Party again. And I don't blame him. And, and that's something that, in and of itself, I have struggled with uh, in my path to becoming a libertarian-ish kind of individual, more so than Rand Paul, I would say. I think I'm a little more, I think I'm a little more liber- libertarian than Rand Paul. Uh, more on Rand Paul in a minute. But on my path to libertarian-ish, you know, views and stuff, uh, from 2012 to about 2014, there was this whole struggle and teetering with the idea of do, do I stay registered as a Republican and be that, you know, be that libertarian wing of the Republican Party? But every time I look at the Republican Party, every time I look at the GOP, uh, since since 2012, really, uh, I've seen it as just a lost cause um, because they, they are polar opposites of my viewpoints uh, in key areas. And... The areas that we do or that we're supposed to agree on, the GOP is hypocritical and doesn't actually care about those things. It's just like how Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, uh, pretty much all these guys were running for president against Donald Trump in 2016 and vehemently opposed Donald Trump in 2016 up until the moment he became the nominee and then the game changed. It became about, you know what? We got to win. We got to do this to win. We got to do this to have the power. We got to do it. Granted, granted, since 2016, since the day after his inauguration, really the day of his inauguration, and really before he was even inaugurated, the left has been on a crusade, a righteous 
crusade to remove this man from office. That much, I think, anybody, baseline, can concede that that's what's been going on since even before Donald Trump's inauguration. The problem with the Democrats in their righteous crusade against Donald Trump is that they themselves are not righteous. (laughs) Not in the least. Because we had to go through, we went through the the last bits of the Obama years with, with, uh, as everybody would say, uh, Republican Republicans butting in the way of President Obama every step of the way. Excuse me. And how dare they do that? How dare they uh, try to ruffle the man's feather? Obama, Obama had charisma. And, and and kind of was kind of had a celebrity swag about him. And I think people forget that uh, you know Obama promised so much and then didn't deliver on so much. And then some people try to say that it was GOP obstructionism that did that when it's three branches of government that are co-equal that are supposed to check and balance each other. They don't actually work hand in hand with each other. They, they they literally put blocks on each other. That's what they do. They put blocks on each other's power. And executive power has been expanding. And it expanded under George W. Bush. And it expanded under Barack Obama. And it's expanding under Donald Trump. Maybe even to a to a degree that we should be raising eyebrows and be very freaking concerned about this thing. But we can't do that because it's it's tribalistic right now. It's it's us versus them. It's good versus bad, and and by the way, everybody is pointing at everybody else, calling them Nazis and and uh, commies and uh, a bunch of other crap. So uh, it's hard to wade through this shit. If you, if, if pardon my French, it's hard to wade through this shit because on top of all of that, Hillary Clinton pops up every couple of days now to try to drop something profound about something when really every democrat right now should be on on the edge of their seats at their heels screaming at the top of their lungs to hillary clinton to shut up go away nobody likes you you couldn't Get the job done against Donald John Trump. You have no advice that you can give. Nobody cares. You have no influence on this thing anymore. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Nada. You're annoying. Go away. Nobody wants to hear from Hillary Clinton anymore but she's here to lap out her opinion on every little thing while dodging agents that are trying to deliver Tulsi Gabbard's defamation lawsuit to her (laughs) I just read that she refuses to accept Tulsi Gabbard's lawsuit for for the, the, the reckless disparaging propaganda that she dropped in an interview. That Hillary Clinton dropped on an interview. Disgusting. 
propaganda against Tulsi Gabbard that she, of course, because she's a Clinton, craftily never named her, despite the fact that Clinton's aide did name her. And she did an awful lot of inferring over who that candidate was. People, I, I love arguing with, with Clintonites who... If you have love and respect for the Clintons at this point, I mean, I, I can't, you're a lost cause. You're a lost cause, and if you don't think that Clinton is as bad for the Democrats as Trump is for the Republicans, you're nuts. You, 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 you've lost it. All of this goes back to, by the way, everybody saying, well, if we just get the people out to vote, if we just get the people out to vote, if we get the people out to vote, the voter turnout for the 2016 election was about 55%. 55%. And there was a 3 million vote difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump if we go by the popular vote. And 3 million votes, I've said this time and time and time again, I'm going to drill it in your heads, 3 million votes when it's 60 million to 63 million is measly. It's insignificant. It's not. It's no mandate. It's no mandate. And party politics, our our duopoly system, our two party system. Yo, yeah, here he goes. He's bashing on the two party system again. Yeah, because it's us versus them. It's extremely tribalistic. It gets nothing done. It it it, it gets to where we are now. Imagine if we had a third party right now, right, and there was three three bodies or or three representations in in this impeachment that that just went down well it's still going on it has he hasn't been acquitted yet but but uh, you know it's coming no surprises there's no surprises anymore um imagine if there was not just democrats and republicans but well you know we'll we'll say independents we'll say that there was a a body of independence that was more heavily represented in this. So let's say it was, you know, you know, what what's what's a good way to split that? 30 it's like 33.3% is is an equal one third one third one third split, right? So imagine that you have Democrats who are staunchly against Trump and all voting down the party line against Trump. You have and that's 33%. And then you have the Republicans, 33%, voting for Trump. And then you have this middle section that has literally no claim to stake or no no stake to claim. Strike that. Reverse it. You know, they're not there to tow the Democratic Party line. They're not there to tow the Republican Party line. And maybe, maybe a handful of them side with the Republicans, but the rest side with the Democrats. Well, then we have a whole different ball game and a whole different strategy. What we saw over the course of the Senate trial so far is literally chess. It's a game of chess that's being played by both of these. You know, people probably don't stop and think about this. The Democrats probably don't even care if Trump gets removed. Their, their, their end goal and their focus should have been the 2020 election all along. And they're still faltering and failing at that, by the way. 
Because think about this. You have Hillary Clinton driving a game against Bernie Sanders. She's coming out now talking about Bernie Sanders didn't do enough in 2016. He freaking campaigned for you. He freaking campaigned for you. If his diehard fan base didn't like you, you weren't in, you weren't entitled to their votes. Everybody goes about this politics thing, thinking about people being entitled to people's votes. You know? Like, and, and people want to vehemently criticize Bernie's staunchest fans who refuse to vote for Hillary Clinton. They say they're the problem. They're not the problem. Hillary Clinton was the problem, you idiots. Hillary Clinton was the problem because you took her a crap sandwich and shoved it down their throats and said, you've got to vote for this. People don't want that anymore. America is changing fundamentally in wanting to vote for shit sandwiches. And if you want to point at Donald Trump and say, but they voted for Donald Trump and he's a shit sandwich, right. But he's a shit sandwich that they voted because they felt like he would wreck the system and he kind of is. He kind of is. Fritz, thanks for coming into my defense for that. Hillary Clinton, Secretary Clinton, uh, uh, she is trying to ruin my whole campaign. Bernie Sanders, welcome to the program. It's been a while, my good friend. I've been very busy with, uh, I, I'm sure you've watched it on, on television, and uh, you've seen it. Um, we've been on the Senate floor trying to impeach Donald Trump, uh, who is the worst president and most divisive president in United States history. Bernie, you're, in response to Hillary Clinton saying you didn't do enough for her, uh, in for the 2016 election, and that your fan base is too rabid and too loyal to you. I mean, you know, what do you have to say about that uh, coming out of Hillary oh, well, Clinton? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, it's not surprising because when I did in 2016, I went to states that Hillary Clinton wouldn't even go to uh, because she was, you know, she didn't care about going to those states, and I had to go there and tell them about how, yeah, you know, yeah, feel the burn, and we should, you know, revolutionize and, and, and fundamentally change this nation. And I would go and I would tell them that. And they would say, well, I want to vote for you, Bernie. And I would say, well, you, you know what? I would love your vote, but you got to vote for her because she's on the ballot. And, of course, Elizabeth Warren's doing no favors for you uh, in stating that you said a woman could never be president of the United States. Uh, correct. You know, Elizabeth Warren, she's uh, she's a very good friend, and uh, uh, she, she, she claims that I called her a liar on national television. Uh, I digress. I believe she called me a liar on national television, and, in fact, she did. Uh, but, you know, I mean, what can you expect anyway? Um, you know, I mean, you know, she... Talks about having a plan, but she doesn't really have a plan. What about uh, what about Tulsi Gabbard? She's trying to sue Hillary Clinton for uh, like a defamation lawsuit, almost. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, if anything, if if there's any driving point that I have in my voice right now, if there's any point that I can try to really, you know, try to make, uh, it would be Secretary Clinton needs to. Step down. Needs to step back. We don't need Clintons in the DNC anymore. We don't need uh, we don't need super PACs. We don't need super delegates, which we 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 done away with super delegates. Uh, and uh, if anything, 
We need radical changes. How about Joe Biden? How about the President Trump? President Trump and his defense team on that Senate floor often was bringing up Joseph Biden and Hunter Biden, uh, Burisma and and uh, that that board uh, and the Ukrainian stuff. I mean, you know, what what about Joe Biden? He's your direct primary political opponent. What say you about that situation? Well, uh, you know, Joe is, um, uh, you know, he was vice president under uh, Barack Obama and uh, Joe Biden. Uh, he's, you know, um, what can what can I say? He's, uh, you know, Uncle Joe is batshit. Whoa, whoa, that that's surprising coming from you. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you know what's surprising coming from Joe Biden is the fact that he goes around and he pokes people in the chest and he grabs them and he touches them and he shakes them up. Like he's going to beat him up like he's some kind of mobster. You know, he's talking about, you know, he knows damn well what's right for the good and what's good for the country. And if you stand up to him, he, he tries to smack you around and it's stuff. very true. He's always yelling. Malaki, 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 Malaki. The 1980s called and they want their 1960s word back, you bum. Wow, you, you feel pretty passionate about this. Damn right, he wants to go off and talk about his hairy blonde leg hand in the pool and stuff, and, and and how kids like to touch it. That's the man you want for president. That's the man you think's going to beat Donald Trump. Well, you know that. I mean, the polling right now, at least, still has him in the lead. Still has him as the best shot to beat Donald <laughs> Trump, yeah, according to the polls. Yeah, well, you know, according to the polls, Hillary Clinton was supposed to be president now, wasn't she? But you don't see her trotting around as president. Do you? No, but I do see an awful lot of people on Twitter and their profile bios talking about Madam President and crap. Or the I'm still with her crap, whatever. Anyway, Bernie, any uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I know you're busy. You've got the, the Senate impeachment trial. You've got uh, probably more debates to prepare for. Uh, please, please, please do not use this opportunity to stu- stump for Medicare for All. That's pretty much the long and the short of it. Uh, uh, trying to impeach Donald Trump, which isn't going to happen because the Republicans got no balls, and uh, and stumping on the campaign trail. It's time for uh, some primaries. Time to time to start winning some primary elections and proving you wrong. And also, Medicare for all. I love you, Mike. Son of a bitch. All right. Well. With that being said, that's where we stand. Uh, we, we're getting ready for the Senate to throw this thing into acquittal mode, and the whole world will come down crashing and burning. Oh, by the way, Britain, Great Britain actually passed through with Brexit. They actually are Brexited from the EU. That happened, too. Um, two things that uh, back in 2014 or 15 or whatever they said would not happen happened. So... If those guys ever tell you you won't win the lottery, you might just win the lottery. So, throw it out to you guys. That does it for me for this week. Follow me on Twitter at FritzQS. It's Facebook.com slash TheFritzCast. Don't forget the the. And if you need to get in touch with me personally, it's FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com. That'll do it for me. I love you. Have a great and wonderful week, and I shall see you, or rather you will hear from me, next week.